displeases me. Oh, yeah. This pleases me. This. Smart Home Technology. Technology. Alexa, please turn the heating up. I'm very cold. After that, please play. Digger Digger. Oh no, 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 no. I do not want this. Alexa, Smart Homes. Stupid people. Smart Homes. Smart Homes, stupid people. Smart Homes, stupid people. Smart Homes. Stupid people. Smart Homes. Smart Homes, stupid people. Ja, now we're here. <laughs> Hello. I, I forgot to turn on the microphone receiver, but here we are now. Ah, uh, yeah. Wasn't the first time. No. There we go. <laughs> Won't be the last time. So. Yeah, so again, hello and welcome to another episode of Smart Home Stupid People. I'm Madeline Siege. And I'm Eris Felmuth. Hello. And today's topic is hindsight is 2020, which I heard the first first time about today. <laughs> that this is with this uh, quote. Quote like that. And the yeah, the the main topic is actually a quote that I came across today that I thought would be really cool to talk about in our show, which is life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And that was by Søren Søren Kierkegaard, Kierkegaard, 1844. Almost 200 years ago now. Still very valid. (laughs) And so, yeah, this is a little, little topic for today because I was talking to a friend and she asked me, you know, how I'm doing and I told her that a couple of things that I planned and thought, you know, will work out, didn't work out. And I also told her that, you know, retrospective, that was actually a good thing that these things didn't work out. And so she wrote me back that quote, which I really liked, because it's true. Many things happen in our life that while they're happening, we are maybe not so, so you know, content about it or we, we don't like the things that are the things turning in our lives because we have a certain expectation how things should be, how we want to live our lives. And then if these expectations are not met, we're unhappy, we're disappointed, we think like, oh, well, you know, universe is not liking us. <laughs> Life is against us. But just give it a couple of years and look back and then you might realize that this was the best thing that could have happened to you. You know, this was a very important turning point for your life bring it into a new direction that you might have not considered without that change. Mm-hmm. I might just give you an example. One of the biggest things in my life was that after or during my PhD, when I finished my PhD, it took me almost seven years because I was working part-time and yeah, it was it was just a lot of time that I had put into it. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I got a, yeah, an okay mark, but not a really good one. So well, In what context? The the what do you mean well i thought that your mark was pretty good well you have the oral examination and you have the written one right so the oral went really well exactly and the written one i got a um yeah it's it's a little complicated that german graduation system but basically i was a little bit better than past (laughs) well uh from what i understand you were kind of not given an amazing mark because you uh chose to stand your ground 
well, that's what I wanted to to say. So my my mark was kind of a little bit better than passed because I said something to my supervisor that he didn't want to hear. And I did something that he didn't like. So back then I was really angry about that decision because mm -hmm. it kind of, I was, you know, I really wanted to be a scientist. I wanted to become a professor, uh, go the whole academic career, postdoc professorship and all that. Mm -hmm. But with that mark, it was clear to me that I had no chance to apply for grants. To Think so, eh? Yeah, it's it's you can only apply for grants either with the you know the highest marks or at least one low. But I was like two lower, okay. so it was clear to me there was no chance. I uh, yeah, hmm. so that's why I thought well okay that door closed for me, and I was also pretty old already because it took so long. Yeah, and with you know too long time and not such a good mark. It, that feel is mark. not the best mark. <laughs> that feel is so competitive. Explain to people what how, what the marks are and what they mean, because I I still find it very difficult to understand what the hell it means. <laughs> well, it's based on on a Latin on a Latin description. You have the um, summa cum laude. That yeah. is meant. If you would translate it, it's just like with with everything is just applauding. You know, like everything is mm -hmm. is with with ex exceptionally good. With yeah, yeah. Uh, distinction, sure. how you say that? Like, yeah. yeah, and then you have magna cum laude, which would be like a, mm -hmm. you know, a very good, still very good, but not excellent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then you have a cum laude, which is basically just good. Then you have um, cum, cum laude. I think only laude. So that is kind of a you know like really average, under uh, below average kind of. Is it really? Yeah, it's, you know, that's the point. Like in Germany, in the dissertation, you either have a summa cum laude and you have, or you would have the magna cum laude. So the the the, the difference is really just, you know, between with with um, distinction mm -hmm. or very good. And then you have a huge gap. So there, the most dissertations are, are marked by either, you know, very good or with mm -hmm. distinction. And then there's a big, big gap between us. And then you have the rest. Although it doesn't sound bad, you know, mm -hmm. it's still good. It's If you put it in relation, it's not very good because the most people just don't get it. Okay. I, I mean, from what I understand, when I when, like when you think of school and you think of marks, me, me too. Oh, <laughs> when you think so of sharing you uh, think whiskey, Glühwein um, here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you think of good marks, you think of um, percentage, right? Is is there any correlation mm -hmm. to that? Because from what mm -hmm. I understand, some dude looked at your paper <laughs> and out of his mind put that word down. It was kind of that, like that's. I'm I'm not so sure if there's like a really a system behind the how you value a PhD because it's so. I mean, it's such a long time, right? So, one point is how many publications mm. you have, and also but, how. But you, what was the reason why you don't think that you got the summa cum laude? Well, the official reason that was written in my in my you said like begründung the. Um, yeah, in the review, I guess. Yeah, in the reasoning <laughs> yeah. was that it took me, you know, almost six years or, yeah, six years to finish my PhD. And during that time, I that's published... Not, that's not a lot. Huh? That's not a lot in that's contrast lot. to what, what yeah. you had to do. I mean, you had to actually yeah. have field work and you had to wait for results. I mean... I was actually 
pursuing two PhDs because at the end I was publishing. I already published four papers until that point. So, mm -hmm. and the the expectations of the community was only three papers. So I already exceeded, you know, mm. what I had to do with four papers. But he was he said, you know, you were still I was still collecting a lot of data. I had more data than I published at that point. And he said, you know, and during that time you should have published more. <laughs> that was the reasoning. And he knew that, you know, I was working part-time. There was no way for me to do even more. I was already at the edge <laughs> big time. But at the end, it was more a personal thing going because I, I really... But was your note really given to you by one guy? By two, but since I, I was a stupid on that that regard because I had to pick someone from the university mm. and I haven't been at university for a long time at that point. Right. So I picked someone I didn't know really well, but I knew that he knew my, you know, my so first... So he was buddy-buddy with your... There were buddy-buddies and uh... he was not questioning the decision of the first person. Wow. So just to bring that back to full circle, why I'm telling this story is I was really angry. You know, I, I felt really disappointed and I couldn't understand that this is even possible because it felt so um, unf unfair. Yeah. And so I tried to fight it as well. But it, I everyone told me that, you know, Melon, just don't do it because it takes forever and you, you know, you just want to finish your PhD and mm -hmm. who knows what will come out of it. If you choose to fight it, yeah. Yeah, so that was a big, everyone understood and they said, you know, you're right, but, you know, this is a big fight you you want to you wanna go into. Is it really worth it? And so I decided just, I just want to, <laughs> I, I had no interest and no energy anymore to put any more into that. But long story short is that because of that, as I said, mm. my career as a scientist was over. And I, I say it was over. Well, but not the way I wanted to, you know, mm. wanted to do it on a classical way. So I was really sad about this and I felt very disappointed. I thought like, why is that happening to me? It sounds to me like just an awful socialistic system where, uh, <laughs> you know, go. the people of the inner party really can step on you uh, out of spite if you choose not to do what they say. Because from what I understand, yeah. um, the biggest problems that you had with the guys who eventually ended up marking your paper is that you said no to them because they yeah. wanted to corrupt your your publications. Yeah, this is uh, the story behind the story that I stood up for myself and I said I wanted to submit a publication mm. that, you know, that was that this person I was publishing with was not happy about. And he said, you know, if you do this, then I won't be part of the paper. Paper. So I took him literally out of the and paper. excluded him out of the paper. <laughs> That's what he suggested. And he didn't expect that. He didn't expect that standing up, you know, and mm. uh, yeah. Anyways, I, at the end, it was the best thing that could have happened to me because... It freed you. <laughs> it freed me. One thing, you know, I yeah. really, I really stood up for myself and I didn't regret that you know, at that point I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done this. But, you know, mm. it, it led me to another path because a couple of weeks after I kind of, you know, pulled myself together <laughs> and realized like, okay, we'll see what else I can do with that PhD and all the knowledge that I have. I always had the idea to write a children's book about my research with the rabbits in the city. So mm -hmm. I talked to the, um, the press office of the university in Frankfurt and they gave me the hint to go to a science slam. And I didn't hear, I didn't know about the science slam for all of you guys who also have no idea. It's, it's like a poetry slam, which some also don't know. <laughs> which actually, means... the best way to explain it for the English-speaking world yeah. is, uh, it's like a TED talk with a bit of 
comedy thrown into it. And it's a competition. You know, yeah. we have you have a so couple. So there's a winner for the best. Yeah, there's a winner. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, for the best scientific performance, so to say. Yeah, so you have a couple oh. scientists on the stage and they all have to present their research within 10 minutes in a very, you know, kind of engaging and funny or, yeah, way. And it could be either biology or chemistry or physics or whatever, just one one scientific mm -hmm. topic. And then at the end, you know, you get rated by the, by the audience and you can win a prize and all that. So I was really naive. I have never heard about it. It's like, well, maybe it sounds, you know, sounds fun. Just just try it. Give it a try. And so I found out where's the next science slam in, in Berlin. And luckily, you know, there was a spot, the last who, who spot was available. Who had uh, recommended this for you? There were the people from the the public relations office at the university in Frankfurt. So I was oh, just shit, eh? asking them, you know, you know, I, what can I do in order to maybe reach out to a publisher for a children's mm. book? And they gave me the tip that, you know, maybe first try to write something that you can put on the stage or something, or just to talk mm -hmm. about your topic in a very, very easy way. So everyone can understand that. Right. that so that was the, that was the tip to just, Break down your research so everyone can understand and make it good, make it compe compelling, right. make right. it funny, mm -hmm. and that's what I did. You know, it's like there was a last spot available. I had two weeks for preparation. One week I was freaking out what I should do, not doing anything. <laughs> Another half a week I didn't, still didn't know what to do. <laughs> I remember we were talking and he said, you know, just make it easy. Talk about the rabbits and the latrines and how they, you know, communicate yep. with their yeah, shit yeah, yeah, and I their remember. poo. Yeah. So I drew a little cartoons and all that and put it on stage. I had a lot of fun. It was amazing. It was a really nice evening. And what came out of it was that a couple of weeks, a couple of days later, I got an email from a Berlin agency. Yeah, you, you tied for first place, didn't you? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. But actually, someone did that later on I was also again on stage with, and then we both won. I, I what, what place did you get on that on that first one? I think one? I was somewhere in the middle. Okay, so <laughs> on your first time around, you didn't. it wasn't even like a, a really good one. I mean, you you didn't win or anything like that. No, the I didn't first time. win. I didn't win. But I remember also, afterwards, you were always either winning yeah, or or running up. Um, it's true. After that, yeah. um, I changed the the topic, but I'll come to that in a second. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to lose my red, uh, you know, thingy here. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, and then I got an email from a literature agency in Berlin, and they said they they found you know they saw me on the stage. Mm -hmm. They found it really funny with the rabbits and <laughs> communicating and all that, and they thought it would be cool to write a book about communication right. in nature and i was like is that a spam is that a joke <laughs> i couldn't believe that someone was reaching out to me just because of that i i had fun and the on fact that, that station like I, I mentioned that's why i felt I, I was wondering because you didn't win no and yet they still like yeah. you yeah 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 right? so uh, that so was that, that, that was uh, that was pretty good show of character I, I think I just had a lot of fun, you know, being on stage and also something I discovered at that night that is something I like to do. I don't need to to be always on the stage, but that entertainment and just, you know, playing with the people. Kind of like today. Huh? Kind of like today. Yeah, kind of Actually, like today. Actually, just being able to talk uh, your mind. Yeah. yeah, just being able to talk and also feel comfortable being on stage and perform in front of a lot of people. I mean, that, that evening, I think it was around 400 or something. You know, it was like, I was, it was... I was used to speaking in front of a conference, but they were all yep. scientists, right? It was different. <laughs> yeah, but you did have experience. Um, yeah, I had that. experience. That's true. Um, you also had stage experience already yeah. as a dancer. Yeah, as a dancer, as a and musician. A singer, all that. Yeah. yeah. So it was not the first time, but 
I I felt like talking. I always like talking about biology. That's my one of my passions, you know. And that's just mm-hmm. was a different way to to put it. And so yes, I went there. I we talked about my performance and the rabbits and the idea. And I said, you know, if you can come up with twenty paper, uh, twenty pages of an idea for a book, and a table of content. We'll put that together and then we take it with us to a book fair in Leipzig. So there's always Leipzig and Frankfurt in Germany, which are really important. Yep. And ah, so shit. I just realized. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I sorry to cut you off. I just realized oh. I didn't have our good sound on today. Oh, okay. Oh, this is gonna the, that's gonna suck. That is really gonna suck. <laughs> sorry, guys. I'm gonna have to uh later on and post re upload it. Still hurt us, huh? Yeah, well, we would have been really quiet. So for anybody listening right now, we just jumped up in volume. Sorry about that. Um, we're going to have to re-upload this later on, and I'll have to compress the first half. <laughs> Don't uh, let that, dis- you know. No, no, no. <laughs> the show <laughs> must go on. Train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's always a little, you know, on the go during the week, mm. just having a, a work day behind us. But yeah, yeah. relaxing. Where was I? <laughs> Twenty page manuscript <laughs> and a table of content. If you yeah. could present that. So I, you know, and then it was also a little bit um, in a hurry. I think the science slam was actually around this time. It was some somewhere around December. I remember. Possibly, yeah. And then I I went there in, in January, and then the book fair is in March. So I had a couple of weeks to put something yeah. together, right? So I really sat down <laughs> thought what could be interesting and so I talked a lot about the rabbits and the communication everything I already knew I put in and tried to you know make it a little funny and just bring a little flow into it mm-hmm. so I gave them the papers and I think a week after they came back from the book fair they said you know there were a lot of literature literature um, a lot of publishers really interested in mm-hmm. the in the manuscript and so now they have a couple offers um, in terms of, you know, how much they would pay me in order to write the book for them. And then they kind of pushed up the price higher and higher. Mm-hmm. At the end, there were only two publishers left. And so, yeah. Do you I, remember who the second one was? Yes. That was a, a publisher that I've never heard before. So now I'm with Pipa, which is a very famous and well-known publisher in Germany. I think maybe also internationally. Mm-hmm. But the other one, I didn't... Never heard about them. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what they, what they, you know, why it's they were so interested in me. Pipa is P I P P E R, right? Or P I P E R? P I P E R. Yeah. So yeah, Pipa. Like Piper, right? Yeah, Piper. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And so yeah, I went with them, and that that's how the whole thing started. They we made the contract, and I started writing the book. And funny enough, at the same time, I got also a job offer for a postdoc position in Potsdam. So actually, my academic career wasn't so over. <laughs> it was just a different direction that was not in in research mm-hmm. and teaching, but more in in scientific management, which I didn't like at all. So, but yeah, things came together at that point, and now I already published my second book. Mm-hmm. And this would have never happened. If you know these things would have not turned out like that. So we talk about hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. And we talk about that. Uh, well, I didn't put it. I didn't give it a shortcut for today. But the uh, the quote from Søren Kierkegaard: uh, "Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards." Yeah. Is interesting because now, obviously, in in hindsight, things worked out for the better. You know, had, yeah, you, had you perhaps absolutely. received the uh, summa cum laude, you would have yeah. immediately gone in towards 
trying to get a grant, trying yeah. to do this, trying to do that, being yeah. a part of more of the university system, perhaps. I would have, yeah, been and, way deeper in, you know, right? and, <laughs> in and, it. <laughs> and by having been exposed to, um, let's just say this, uh, um, high-ranking narcissism that mm -hmm. uh, really, it opened your eyes. Because I remember when that happened and you, you kind of had that, uh, that moment where you took a deep breath and realized, okay, well, maybe I don't need a career in the university. Mm. Maybe I don't need to go uh, up the ladder. Yeah. And it, for you, it was a bit like, well, I guess I can just have fun or whatever. And this is where mm. the science slam and mm -hmm. writing the book and all that. And it was interesting yeah. because, you know, since then, the guy who actually uh, gave you a, a shit mark on your paper, he's been kicked out of a couple countries uh, for misconduct. Um, I'm not so sure if it was him or, you know, some people he was working with, but yeah, I mean... There was a lot of misconduct he, anyway. Just just flat out, you knew that that was happening. and um, Well, I didn't knew it, but, you know, well, like... Well, you've told me stories that there's just like... Mid, oh, yeah, mis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there were the, things going on that... <laughs> inappropriate things that... Uh, yeah. and, and the point is, is that a lot of these people who get up to professorship positions, not a lot, but I mean, a good number of them are there for the wrong reasons. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunately it's true. You know, I um, I met many people who are I think you know were really great professors. They were like living for their research, and they were also good good teachers. Yep. But I also met a couple where it was clear to me that they have this position because it's it's the highest um, academic rank that you can have, right? Yeah. So it was more like a representative thing and an ego thing that's what's yeah. going on and I have to be honest I mean I was also compelled you know to have like a first a doctor title and then a professor title well, later at on. that time it's like being in the church you, you yeah. there's, there's a big position at the top that everybody yeah. wants you know yeah yeah um and I don't see it as as any different you know like from some of the rules that you've explained to me in the past as to mm -hmm. how in Germany if you don't make it within six years after your yeah. PhD in yeah, the university yeah. system um, the university kicks you out and mm. then they collectively blacklist you from all universities in Germany um, and prevent you from ever getting a job at the university again. And the yeah. reason they say they're doing that is to um, help other newcomers. Yeah, the, so you're, you're not sitting on the spots which are not there. <laughs> well, no the problem is, it, is right? that it, it, it tends to really actually become more of a hindrance towards females who want a family. You know, if they take a couple of years off and the spot is still being reserved for them, they can get fucked that way. And 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 yeah, I'm not so sure about you know if you have parental leave if that counts. I I've heard that if the parental so, leave is within the last two years, then it hmm. then you're gone. I'm if also it, not so up to date anymore yeah. how the current rules are actually working. But well, nevertheless, the point yeah. that I was really getting at was that actually once you um, kind of had that feeling that it's not going to work mm. for for first full reasons. You kind of started looking at it with different eyes and started saying, you know what? The system's actually not really built well to begin yeah, with. And the that, people in sure. it tend sure. to be f fucked up a lot more than you actually yeah. realized at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think true. that once you had new eyes to look at it, you, you, you started seeing it in a whole new light, you know? Yeah, now again, I'm happy that I'm not in the system anymore because I can see, you know, friends of mine that the longer they stayed in, the harder it kind of became for them to find their place and their position and happiness. Happiness. <laughs> and yeah. I actually don't know anyone who at the end got the professorship and really stayed and, and really made the path the way they, they wanted it. Or became, well, 
Yeah, so they not, all... I would say not recently anyway. I've met a couple yeah. old professors who have retired <laughs> long since and are doing all right, but I don't know what things used to be like. And you explained a lot in the past to me anyway about how the German education system had a complete reform over the last, specifically yeah. the last 10, yeah. 15 years. Absolutely. They've adopted the American system. Yeah, I still have a diploma, which is uh, or was a German grade. It was, be- it was it's essentially, yeah. uh, it, it's kind of like, Better than a master's. Yeah, it's it's a master's. But more than a with, master's. But more than a master's. But the, the thing is, like, you study, you know, depends on what are you studying, but on average, six to, to seven years. No, hang on. Uh, semester? Yeah, so six to seven years almost. Wow. And there is no, you know, like, kind of no stop in between. Like, we have Like, if you stop halfway, exams. then you, don't, you get nothing. Yeah. We have right? middle exams, yeah. but is this more to that you can go further to the higher education part of the whole, you know, whole studies? Mm. But yeah, with with that, this is not not like a bachelor or anything. You can't do anything with it. Right. So you have to go through the whole thing <laughs> in order to to graduate after six or seven years, which you know, like I also did. But there was way more time for really exploring different courses, yeah, yeah. and it was not like you know, pushing in the knowledge in one side and spitting it out on the paper <laughs> just to get your credit points and all that. This didn't exist. It right. was way, and we also, our notes were only counting, the exam notes were only counting. So whatever mark you had during your ex, your, your studies, that was not important. Yeah, it was just the, the exam was the real Just the, the, yeah. the major and like the, the midterm really exams. I do. Me too, because, you know, like... Um, I could I could take as much time as I wanted between to live, yeah, and breathe. yeah, and and just explore. I you know I used that time to study different things. I did an extra quali- qualification on environmental education. I was studying mm-hmm. philosophy. I had a look into. Dif- I was learning English at the same time, university yeah. and French, and what else? Exchange programs. Hmm? Exchange. Programs. Yeah, I was in. You know, I was a semester somewhere else and had practical trainings in different countries. So I was living my life, you know, yeah, really. and still learning. And we had practical trainings that were that lasted longer. And then I was working as a as a um, as a student in university, so teaching the the, the younger students and you know mm. assisting in zoology classes, which which I loved. That was amazing for me, making money with the stuff. I have, that I have I a had funny to... side story about that too. In a second. Yeah. So what I just wanted to finish is I saw this transition, you know, from the old education system to the new because yeah. I I saw how they changed the curriculum to fit the whole master's and bachelor schedule because then I started also teaching that to the students and I couldn't believe how much they cut out and right. specifically yeah. practical training that there was no dissections anymore. There were no excursions anymore. That was only focusing on book. Mm. And later on, when I was in university of Frankfurt, I had students for my field work and I also taught at university a couple of classes that, <coughs> sorry. Yeah. I, I saw the difference. The students, I'm sorry to say that, but they were stupid, <laughs> mm-hmm. not because they were stupid, but they didn't learn it proper. You know, that, that, I don't know what was wrong. They were not able to identify different trees. And I could ask, you know, I could ask a, a child from the kindergarten and they could Well, I think the exposure, <laughs> the exposure to education has yeah. fund- fundamentally changed here in Germany. And now that education is more heavily linked to stress, the yeah. new, the new, 
the new det system her is very stressful in ja, contrast ja. to what I've been explained. Uh, ja. you know, in contrast to what you guys used Absolutely. to have. Absolutely. You Absolutely. had more time. Uh, and as you mentioned, it wasn't just ja. more time to learn what you learned, but it was more time to breathe the atmosphere and the experience ja. of what it is that you were learning to soak it in properly by doing practical ja. uh, uh, trainings, as you mentioned, or gaining experience in the field ja. um, through other universities and exchange programs and so on and so forth. So, yeah, also uh, just just that that experience of being a student, right? Mm. So how does that, what does that mean? The first time maybe, you know, for me it was the first time being away from home. I had my own my own room in a shared yeah. um, apartment, all that. And just experiencing that, going out with people, enjoying your, uh, your life as a student, it was amazing for me. I loved it. And mm. now talk and look, to, you know, talk to the students. I have, um, I have contact to a couple bachelor students also from biology. One is my, mm. She's kind of like my helping assistant for my podcast. <laughs> Hi, Svea. <laughs> and so uh, she constantly, you know, tells me how much stress, how much, uh, know, how, how much stress she is. And there's mm. no time for her to really... How stressed she is, yeah. Um, ...explore and enjoy life in a way that I thought like, wow, I, you know, I had so much more time. And also yeah. really studying means for me not only learning things by heart, but taking the time <laughs> to understand. Yeah. And that is not the case anymore. That's why our education system is going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, oh, a, to a rabbit latrine, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Shithouse. <laughs> um, so with, with me and in my industry, it, it's interesting because, you know, a lot has changed, obviously, mm -hmm. in your industry and in mine. And in mine in the building automation industry, one of the biggest things that has changed is that they've tried to now with the new education system in Germany mm -hmm. um, and what that really means is in Madeline's era uh, she did a diploma mm -hmm. a diploma they called it right mm -hmm. and now they have the standard bachelor's and master's program yeah. to replace it and the the reasoning behind that was that a student can go to university for two years and get a bachelor mm. diploma that is valid somewhere else on the planet Meaning that if they want to get a job that requires a bachelor's diploma, mm -hmm. they can be prepared for that in two years instead mm -hmm. of six or seven. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that was kind of the thinking. But it was really the, – the real problem is is that the German education system is, is funded by tax money. Mm -hmm. And the universities, though they be private and funded by governmental money, they're trying to compete on the private market, which is – in my opinion, yeah, yeah. it's 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 and actually really crooked, you yeah, know, yeah. to think of it like that. It sounds like a, it just sounds like corruption because what's happening is the money's getting funneled, and it's being used for private production. And mm. um, and this is an example as to how you can see that the quality has gone way down, happiness has gone way down, mm. stress in a negative way is mm -hmm. skyrocketing, mm -hmm. and yet more money's being moved around. So yeah. therefore, it must be better, right? And, yeah, uh, and it's and it's one of these things where in my industry, there is no education for what I do, right? As building automation uh, specialist, it's it's one of these things where, well, at least now there is, right? Uh, traditionally, because I've been doing this for over fifteen years. Traditionally, you got into it by doing something else that eventually just kind of made sense that you started doing mm. it, uh, you know. And um, so years back, I think. Seven years, six years ago, uh, what was happening more and more at that time was I would actually end up our company um, 
ended up training university students, mm -hmm. right? So we got a couple university students who worked under me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was training them on job sites and showing them how things work in reality, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to the little things that they've learned on paper. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's, it's one of the, and, and, and it's, so what happens is we get a guy who is doing his bachelor's degree, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'll never forget after, so I, I'm showing them the rings and at the time I was doing a, a, a decent little skyscraper, a big project uh, for 50 Hertz, which is the main um, electricity provider. Mm -hmm. That's, they're not a provider. How do I explain it? It's like between cities, you have the long hydro cables, we call them in North America or the power lines, right? And uh, these power lines over here modulate at approximately 50 hertz. So the main company that's responsible for the transmission of power between city is they're called 50 hertz, mm -hmm. right? And so I was working at uh, the new 50 hertz building that was being built in um, Berlin. And in that building, you have uh, literally the circuit breakers for shutting off Hanover, for shutting off Hamburg, shutting off Berlin uh, and Leipzig, I think as well. I'm not sure about the reason. I think they're mm -hmm. on a different circuit. And I just remember that it was a high security area with guards and it was all, every time I had to go in there and do something, I had to like go through a check and all that stuff. And um, before you could even work on a job like that, you have to get a background check and get vetted and criminal records and blah, blah, blah. And so um, I'm going through the building with this guy and showing him how everything's done. Everything's great. And then within like a year or so, um, he, he, you know, he was learning a lot. Let's just say he was learning a lot, mm -hmm. but he was nowhere near a point where you can say, here's a job of your own, go ahead, yeah, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I think in my industry, that takes a couple of years, yeah. right? Unless you're just going to be, until then, you're just going to be mounting stuff and working with people who mm -hmm. kind of understand the lay of the land. So I would say that in my industry, it takes at least two years to get to a point of, um, um, the word I'm looking for, uh, being competent mm -hmm, enough mm -hmm. to to be able to handle uh, the scope of a, of, of, a, mm -hmm. yeah. a, of a project manager, yeah, yeah. you know, for example. And um, until you get to that level, it's very hard for a company to, at least until you get to the level where you can at least manage small projects, it's very hard for a company to um, justify giving you a decent salary at all. Because mm. until then, you're an installer, mm -hmm. right? Until then, you're... Um, you're, you're, you're mounting stuff and you're pulling cables uh, because somebody else told you to yeah, yeah, and hooking them up a certain way because somebody else told you to. And, uh, and it's, so I was just, I'll never forget he, after a year of being with us, he finishes his bachelor program <laughs> and writes his bachelor degree. And I looked at it, he couldn't read it. <laughs> like it, it was it was just a book full of big words yeah, yeah. that made no sense <laughs> in the order that they were presented yeah. and, he, and he was a good guy but the th the reality is is that it's not that that's what the, that's what it is mm -hmm. now it's like the school only cares about the stamp of approval and the money being sent and yeah, so that's, he then uh, shows up to work and he's like okay now i want a full contract because in germany while well, you're a student you're not allowed to make money <laughs> That's another thing because yeah, yeah. tax money is paying for your education. You're not legally allowed to actually get a job that pays you more than pennies. Well, it has bad. more to do with, you know, you when you're a student, you should focus 100% on your studies. That's should, why you could have, the, the, the point is, know, is that the private organizations are, are, are forking in, you know, all the dough and uh, the students are not allowed to make money. They're not allowed to start yeah. their own business. They're not allowed to do anything and still maintain their status as a student. And after two years, like I said, he then comes back and um, 
and has a sit down with the main guy in the company. He says, okay, now I'm ready to work for the first time <laughs> in my life. I'm excited. <laughs> and he gets the contract from the company as yeah. to what he's going to be making. And he looks at it and he says, okay, sure, I'll take the job. He goes home and he comes back. Oh, yeah. And his father says, I'm not... His father told him to tell Tim no. Mm. Tim, the guy I, work, I worked with at the time. Yeah. And, and so this guy comes back and um, he says... Yeah, my 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 dad says I have to be making at least this much in the universe. Oh, sorry, my dad says this is too little to mer to earn, and and we said that you know the guy working with he says, well, why why do you think you need you deserve anything else? Mm. And he says, well, I have a bachelor. And he says, what does that mean to me? And he says, well, the bat the school told me that I have to be making at least this figure. You know what the school told him? <laughs> the school told him he has to be making at least over forty five thousand a year mm. with a bachelor's mm. in nothing. Right. Yeah. Well. And 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 uh, any of you out there who who know what um what it's like to work with architectural programs and like AutoCAD and stuff like that, when you do a bachelor's degree, it's like topical. Mm. I actually was really surprised that I did more AutoCAD work in my tech high school in Canada <laughs> than I saw people here doing engineering degrees. Mm. I was shocked to see that like engineering degree was like learn how to draw a circle and a square. <laughs> on, on, and, 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 and so anyway, the point yeah. is, is I, I, was, I was really surprised in, in certain cases, right? But my point is, is that two years in a bachelor degree um, studying, uh, building uh, um, management or efficiency or whatever it was mm -hmm. that, uh, that he had specifically um, um, studied. And then wanting a salary even though he wasn't nearly ready to do his own project. Mm. It was funny. So I sat down and I told him, I said, hey, dude, I mean, and he hated it. He hated university. He hated every minute of it. Mm. And, and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> and lo and behold, after his dad told him, you don't do this, you don't do that, two months later, he quit and went and joined up to get a master's because the the bachelor's wasn't, he he tried. He tried yeah. to get, as yeah, he, yeah. he tried to get jobs and every job told him the same thing. They said, I don't care what the university tells you. The university sold you a dream. Yeah. You can't get these jobs with a bachelor degree. Yeah, yeah. You need experience. Yeah. And they didn't provide you with it. And so, um, I told him, I said, you know, you wait, you, you hang around with me for a while. I'll, I'll get you up to a speed where you can start doing this by yourself and you can then choose what you want to do. Mm. You know, and I even told him, I said, I wouldn't even do your master right now because he was saying, I, maybe I should go back and do my master's. And I said, I would get some more experience if I were you because mm. it doesn't make sense to me for you to go and get a master's in a job that you don't even know what it is yet. Yeah. Anyway, the point yeah, is, is maybe that- I just you know, want to bring it back yeah, to the that topic. Was a big, that was a big circle. I just wanted to reinstate <laughs> yeah. before you bring it back um, that when things changed over here, it wasn't just in the in your industry. It was really mm -hmm. across every industry. And I noticed it because now mm. there actually is a, a, an education for what I do. I don't know how good it is. I don't know how useful it is. I, you know, I, I really don't know. You should um, go and teach. <laughs> right? Because I'd like to know how the hell they bridge two years of experience from my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like you can't do what I do without at least two years of experience in field, in mm -hmm. the trade. Mm -hmm. And what I do cannot be done in a regular, um, like what you guys call Ausbildung. It's yep. not something that can be done in a regular tech school easily, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, just, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, putting that on the table that the world has changed <laughs> a lot and yeah. I'm seeing a lot of... Uh, Let's just say um, 
teeter-tottering <laughs> stuff out there that just looks like it's it's about to fall over <laughs> because it's not designed to yeah, be yeah. something that functions. Anyway, go so, ahead. So yeah, I have a question for you. What was one of these moments, you know, for you where you had like hindsight is twenty twenty? So was there an event in your life where you many, realized? Many. Or maybe, yeah, maybe the, the most important one for you where you felt like, wow, this was actually a major thing. Well, okay. It actually becomes addictive. Um, so where I come from... What do you mean addictive? Uh, I'll tell you in a second. Oh, okay. Uh, I think I'm, in my mind, I jumped ahead. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Take us with you, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, finding these moments becomes addictive, is what I'm saying. Okay. There are certain moments in my life where I can say a lot has changed because of them. Mm-hmm. And, and learning how to build moments, I think becomes, you know, uh, uh, an addiction because you start to realize that there's something greater than just pencil and paper and logic. It's something that um, can only be experienced, you know? It's something that can only be achieved by by trial and error to a mm. degree, mm. I, I, you know? Uh, so what I'm trying to really get at is that there are a couple times in my life where... Um, Let's say I've, I've I've quit everything, and mm -hmm. I just realized that I was not happy. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes, you know, it's it's as it's as simple as uh, leaving the girl that you're with at the time, or mm -hmm. leaving the job that you're with at the mm -hmm. time. Sometimes it's picking up and going somewhere and not having a reason. Uh, sometimes it's dedicating yourself to something and, and putting a lot of effort into it, but for no reason. Mm -hmm. But the reason it presents itself later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so a couple things I'll say. Um, searching for opportunity. You know, it's kind of like a, a reason of itself. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember joining a couple bands mm -hmm. that went nowhere, but they actually became springboards to go to other bands that did go somewhere. Yeah. And so I remember going on a crappy tour once that just fell apart miserably. And I met another band with whom I then later on... Um, ended up doing multiple tours with. Mm. And I just remembered uh, telling them, I, uh, we we were dropped, we were, so we did half half of a, a, a Eastern, um, uh, an East Coast tour with them in, in the US. And uh, then we were in Jersey, I believe it was, I think, uh, or Baltimore. I can't, anyway, anyway, so, um, and what happens is, is that I'm, I'm telling I'm telling them I said hey guys it was really fun touring mm -hmm. with you and they're like and and they're like, and I told them that I also played drums because on that tour I was playing guitar and they're like yeah we can always use a good drummer and this and that and I said you know what man when's the next time you're uh, you're playing live I'll come mm -hmm. out and see you and he's like yeah we'll be in New York City again um, in two months I said okay I'll be there and I showed up there two months later and mm -hmm. they couldn't believe it <laughs> and because I showed up there two months later they're like Fuck, we didn't expect you to actually show up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it was and it was it was unfortunate because I had forgotten at the time that in the U.S. because uh, I had driven down from Toronto with an ex-girlfriend of mine that in the U.S. the drinking um, the the legal age to get into a place was 21. Mm -hmm. Now I always had a fake ID on me, so I was able to get in, but my girlfriend couldn't. So mm -hmm. and, and it was and it was unfortunate. And uh, in the end, they ended up telling me I will get her in, but she had fallen asleep at the hotel. Um, but the point was is that um, I then got into the band. Because of this mm -hmm. this yeah. act that I did, yeah, yeah. that seems kind of weird to drive ten hours to just you know to say hello and all this, yeah. and then afterwards I ended up uh, going to Chicago 
um, to join up with them on a full East Coast tour, for, you know, afterwards. Yeah. And, and because of that, I, you know, we 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 stayed together for like uh, five years or so, and then I ended up moving to Europe eventually, which again was another big thing. I had no, the reasons why I ended up a move, I ended up moving to Europe are not really good reasons. You know, in my <laughs> mind, it was more like. I'm a citizen. It would be stupid if I didn't. <laughs> I wrote all this down on my second book, actually. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you that. you know that. I told you. <laughs> you did tell me, yeah. Uh, well, so if that will be translated, then you guys can all read about <laughs> it too. <laughs> and, and 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 so like a big one to me is I remember back when I was um, working for a company called Electro Wheels. I was the warehouse manager for, and this is like 2000. Five. I was uh, eh, around then. I was I was uh, a warehouse manager for a company that had. Um, electric bicycles and scooters and mm -hmm. it's like one of the first generations you know nowadays it's very easy to say there's there are electric vehicles and electric uh, mm -hmm. scooters all over the place but mm -hmm. this was like again 15 years ago uh more than that and it was a good job mm -hmm. i was getting paid really well uh had you know i had I, I was able to pick my own hours hire my own crew and all that stuff and uh i left the job because of a moral dilemma mm. right and uh, the moral dilemma was, was I mean, I don't have to get into big detail. It was there. Um, and it was one of these things when I told people, they said, same thing. You're nuts. You're insane. This mm. and that. But then I got into home automation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and it was funny because I just remember sitting at home thinking to myself, all right, well, I walked away from that. What do I want to do next? Mm. You know, the whole, and, and I'm just going through all, all of my talents and tasks and I didn't want to go, like I, I ended up, yeah, yeah. you know, considering going back to uh, school because I, I was doing a bridging program when I moved to Europe um, for chemistry, which I didn't like, you know, I loved the information. I loved chemistry. I didn't like the scholastic system. Yeah. And, um, and, and so that's where I started to really then at that point, you know, really tuned in and honed in on my own um, intuition. Yeah. Yeah. And so I left that and, then I ended up getting into, uh, and it was funny. I remember um, I knew somebody who was doing at the time what they called home automation, right? Mm -hmm. I later on got into big building automation, but home automation at the time. And I called him up and he said, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to hire you because you're a friend of the families and I don't hire a friend of the family kind of thing. <laughs> and then I got a job for his competition. And when he heard that, he offered to pay me uh, uh, double to come and work for him afterwards just so I can fuck over the competition in in his mind, right? And um, <laughs> afterwards, I ended up actually coming, going to work for him uh, and he ended up fucking me over, which was something I learned. I should have used my intuition at that point. You know, when you see that somebody does something dishonorably, maybe it's just best to completely avoid them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned a couple of times the word intuition. I think mm -hmm. that's what it is about, that... You know these twists and turns in our lives that you when once you were at a you know two ways are opening up for you that yeah. you know which one to take and even though at the beginning it might not look so well <laughs> that you thought oh I think I made a wrong decision just give it time you know and and it will will present yourself probably in a way that you would have not expected and you still know that this was the right decision to do really following an intuition. I think that's a muscle that we can train and the more you use it, the better mm -hmm. you you get at it. Also, um, something I wanted to say, oh, I forgot about it. 
<laughs> you forgot about it. I forgot about it. You were it. the one saying it. Ah, I think also, <laughs> you know, in, in partnerships, I think that's the same thing. Sometimes you're sad that, you know, like relationship kind of ended and you, yep. you cling on to, to a certain person. Whereas there is maybe someone else waiting for you, which is a much better fit, you know, like I had a couple of times in my life where I was sad that things were not working out the way I wanted to, but yet no, I'm sitting here with you and I thought, well, this was all, you know, it was go. all the way it should be because <laughs> um, I'm I'm happy that these things didn't work out because now I'm, you know, I'm I'm here and have Well, look at us, we, we moved in together and bought a house uh, and we moved, we, we yeah. like we left the city together and moved into a house within only knowing each other for a few months. Yeah. And I think that <laughs> it was one of these weird things. I mean, it just it just worked. I think that when things work, they just work. And, yeah. And you true. and I, as far as a relationship is concerned, um, I don't know, seven years or something like that now, ongoing. Yeah, I think Al so. Almost I think April I is seven. We're not, we're not really tracking that. <laughs> the point is, is that uh, I find that when things work, they don't need to be difficult. Yeah, and that's with us, there was always... I, I've I've never felt that difficulty that I, for example, had with other <clears throat> relationships. Yeah, you know where I felt like I was forcing a a, a round peg into a square hole, for example, <laughs> uh, or, or vice versa. <laughs> like yeah, and 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 it's and it's kind of a truth that uh, it's how I felt with some of these other jobs. And the same thing is my industry has changed so much that it just feels like I'm forcing myself mm. to try and make it work, which is why I, I'm going back to being self-employed as yeah. of next year. I left the company, and this is another point where I'm, I'm I now have enough life experience behind me to know um, that these decisions, whether I because mm. just because I don't know the way things will be in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, I still feel that I'm making the better decision. Yeah, that's right? also the, these these uncertainties that you don't know what will come. You know, now you change something and you leave mm -hmm. something behind, but you, there's nothing there yet. Just as that saying says, can you put it back into it? Or mm -hmm. yeah, I'll let you drink. <laughs> there's also a comment, so you know, it's not a comment. No. Oh, no. okay. So here, boom. Life can only be understood yeah. backwards, but it must be lived forward. So that's the point, you know, live, living it um, forward means that although you can't see where you're going, there's just one direction, you know, it's right. like you have to go somewhere. And I think also if you make it about the experience but, and not the outcome, there is never a disappointment in mm -hmm. whatever happens to you because... You didn't expect anything. You just take it as it comes, and whatever whatever it is, you experience yeah. as as one one aspect of life. Yeah. Yeah. No. But that that no. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, I think the, the the big thing is to understand that it's all life, and it's all your life, and it's and it's all about this experience that we call life. Yeah. Right. And and trying to constantly break things down into logics and accolades and um, Systems that, yeah. that that need to be done because it was done before us uh, is, 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 is a foolish way, I think, of mm -hmm. pretending that that's life experience, you know? Also, you know, with that topic that we have today, hindsight is twenty twenty, which I now understand that it means you can only see very clear if you look into the past, kind of, right? Well, you can only see clearly the future once you've experienced it is kind of the the way that it, okay. it, it explains that. But yeah, you're not wrong. Is that you could you could only really um uh see the past mm -hmm. uh you know clear. You can't see the future clearly. Yeah, which is, you know, like exactly that saying from Kierkegaard that we are 
after you know things happen then you look back you understand much better mm -hmm. that's why i also think if you live a life full of intuition that you make eventually the right decisions that if you at the end of your life you look back you'll see that you know you had a fulfilled life and you didn't want to change anything you didn't mm -hmm. you didn't miss anything because you were constantly acting to your needs and to your interests so yep. i think this is also a good way to you know, every once in a while, look back and think or think ahead next 10 years. What is it that you want to experience? And mm -hmm. what if at the end of your life, you know, what would you miss out? What is something yeah. that you would think, oh, shit, I should have done this, right? There's another quote from Kierkegaard oh, I yeah. wanted to read as well. And it's, um, the most painful state of being is remembering the future, particularly the one you'll never have. And... That idea is an interesting one. The idea of remembering the future is obviously something that's talking, it's more of an esoteric idea to remember the mm -hmm. future, you know, mm -hmm. remember something that hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. But to remember the future, particularly the one you'll never have, is kind of like this pain that you have, that you feel a future that you'll never have, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's a big thing because that to me is a is a delusion um, that, that a lot of people... They live their whole life in in chasing a a goal and a dream, mm -hmm, and they're mm -hmm. never present in the moment because of it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. this dream, um, I've even seen people achieve it, and they just they, they can't be happy afterwards because mm. they've just li they've only ever lived in that state of 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 uh, pursuit. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They they don't know how to actually change and 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 no. go away or 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 leave that 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 state of being. Mm. And so the only thing they can naturally do after that is pursue something else. Yeah, it's like a drug, you know. It's just a quick fix, and then you yeah. need the next uh, yeah. adrenaline shot. <laughs> well, this is why I find it to be funny because to me it actually became addicted to. Um, I guess restart my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done it many times where I I've. I've realized things weren't working mm. the way that they were. Uh, gonna, you know, change my environment, uh, mm -hmm. change my, mm -hmm. my profession, um, just take a break from everything. And I think yeah, that yeah. where I come from, that's definitely much more um, tolerated. It's a little easier, right? Where here, and I, I mean tolerated in the sense that here in Germany, there's this whole thing when it with with. Um, governmental support and everybody needs to have a proper address and if you're not working you have to mm -hmm. tell the government and it's it's really fucked up it really is and a big part of that is to do with uh you, you it's illegal here to not have health insurance and health insurance is really expensive mm -hmm. and therefore if you're not actually employed by someone you have to pay the health insurance yourself and how you're going to pay for it yourself if you're not employed meaning you have to go to the government for help. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's, a, it's a really weird society, Germany, right? Uh, because of that, that that weird circle that a lot of people end up, be, you know, spiraling downwards with. And um, where I come from, it's quite the opposite. Like, you know, um, health insurance is completely paid for mm -hmm. by the government, which is nice because it means that even um, homeless people have full health insurance, mm. right? That's not something that a lot of people here understand mm. that what he doesn't work and he's not getting a, he's not on a government system and he has health insurance. Like it's a very hard thing for people to comprehend Um and, you know, there's positive and negative sides to that where I come from. I think the positive side is that 
it lets us live our life without this financial burden of stopping mm. the, the way that you guys have it. You yeah, know? And, when yeah. I, and when I say expensive, I mean, it's a big part of your, your income over here, actually, the health insurance. But it's because true, yeah. when you're actually employed by somebody, they pay for half of it and you get put onto government insurance. Uh, I'm on private insurance because I was self-employed the entire time I've been here. Mm. And so I've always just paid for it myself anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm more comfortable with that. And even when I was employed here, I decided to keep my private insurance anyway. And that means my employer plays mm. me money for mm -hmm. my health insurance. And so now that I'm leaving uh, the employment, I'm, I'm just taking my health insurance with me. Um, and what that also allowed me to do back home is to have multiple jobs. Yeah. Without having to worry about registering things the way that you guys have to register things here. It's, it's true, yeah. Even if you have a second job, you have to pay so much taxes that... You it's know, crazy. There's nothing left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. Over here, I think it's like a, it's like forty percent for every secondary income or some bullshit like that. It depends. You know, I, I I've been told it is. I've been told it isn't, and it depends on what kind of work it is. It's it's, yeah, it's yeah. all a bit weird. Um, I mean, if you're self-employed, it doesn't matter. It all gets thrown onto the same pile. Mm. But if you're if you have like a part-time job at a cafe mm -hmm. and then you're working at the grocery store mm. and then you're also doing this and that, I know people who have just gotten just awful right like they went and spent more time and they're thinking in the end they made like three euros an hour it was crazy yeah uh, so that's that's the that's the reality of germany but like i said um for me it was much easier for me to just always have uh to be self-employed have like six or eight projects on the go so mm -hmm. to say that we're all very mm -hmm. different you know i had a window washing company when i was 18 um and that i actually kept that with me the entire time so even when I was doing my home automation stuff, I, I actually really enjoyed taking a break from that in the summer and washing windows for a few months, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting on a ladder and 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 uh, you know driving around with my pickup truck. It was it was it was a completely different change of scenario for me, and it helped reset me. So the next time I had to do this high tech job in in in, in, a, in a in some wealthy mansion, that I was able to focus on it, right? Mm. Because it it becomes hard to focus on when you're constantly just involved. Right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Let's wrap things up for today. Yeah. This has been a nice, relaxed, slow <laughs> Wednesday. And it's yes. cool. So today, as you guys can see, this has been more of a Madeline episode. <laughs> she she, uh, she did a good job sharing back us. Back in business. <laughs> yeah. Back in business. Uh, sharing with us something that she yeah. decided to bring forth to the uh, up to the to the video cast today as, as her own idea. So the idea of how would you put it? Well, two things I would say. The first thing is, you know, living life mm, for the sake of it and not for achieving something in order to, you know, feel mm -hmm. worthy, but just really taking day by day and see what's coming to you without judgment and also with, you know, that kind of uh, pay, uh, faith and trust that is you know this is exactly what you need at that certain point in yeah. time and although our little brains sometimes see it differently <laughs> yep. we have a limited view onto the world we can't see all the pieces moving whereas i believe that you know there is um, a high intelligence out there that absolutely can see the the moving pieces and do see what's best for us although you know there are experiences mm -hmm. that we don't like but eventually they will lead us to what we have to learn, what we have to yep. see. The only crazy lady here. The says, only crazy uh, lady. <laughs> living in the now, exactly. 
Yes, it's living in a now and really having all your senses ready to perceive what's what's around you, to see all the great opportunities. And even, you know, if one door closes mm -hmm. for you, then thousands others will open and it's up to you which one you want to choose and follow your interests. That's a big thing I can suggest and recommend to really see what you're good at, what where you feel comfortable on one point, but also where you want to learn more, mm. what makes you happy. This is, this is, these are the best signs for you where to go in life and what kind of decisions to make. And so now to recap, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the big story I think that you had put forth today was that for you with your education, you know, um, becoming a, a, a PhD um, biologist, overcoming the obstacles of yeah. uh, heavy narcissism, not getting the best mark, uh, maybe in that one moment where it would have counted, you know, you got good marks all the way up until this yeah, last moment. Yeah, that's also something it, I was I was. And it all, very... it all hung on just some asshole's opinion, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and But then, you know what, you learn to let go and all yeah. of a sudden you look back at it and you're one of the more successful people in all the groups. It's true, actually, yeah. Right when you think yeah. about it, and and you're yeah. the, one of the most, you're one of the more successful people because you, I think, were allowed to just let go of it, yeah, and perhaps pursue your own path. Well, I also was faced with, you know, I always identified myself of being the best student. I I had straight A's, and my, it was holding it was holding you back, perhaps, in my academic career. So I was very. Ehrgeizig, was that word? <laughs> Very focused yeah. you know, on, on achieving good marks. And, and because that was something I identified myself with, I wanted to be that super duper smart biologist and knowing everything. Also feeling worthy because from my childhood, you know, people told me that I'm stupid, that I'm not getting things. So I, I thought like I have to show them that's not not. And where are true. these people now? That's another. That's another <laughs> right? topic, right? It's, so, it's but, an important topic. I think this is something important. that hindsight is twenty twenty. This, yeah, well, this has shown me to be very true in my life. It's absolutely true, but. These people also kind of on a positive mark, you know, made me to the person I am today because without them, I wouldn't have, I would have not be so, um, you know, serious about my, my, mm -hmm. my education. And now I, I do see that um, I, I, I would say like that it was a lot of work. I enjoyed it, but now I'm kind of leaning back and I'm really having, picking up all the fruits that comes from it, right? So yeah. writing books, being an expert in biology, talking about this topic, having a well-paid job and not, you know, working myself crazy <laughs> over it. And it feels like this is the payoff for all the hard things that I, I have I think that like over. from what I've seen, because I mean, I was with you when you yeah. got your, your, your title, your, when you finished your um, PhD program, and just to see what you had gone through, I remember. Yeah. Uh, I I remember telling you this, you know, back when you had finished that, and you there was no there you had no like proper employment coming in immediately. No. Uh, it, it, you didn't know what you were doing. You know, you were writing this book, and you didn't know if it was going to make you any money, but it was costing a lot of time. Yes. <laughs> and I just told you, I said, you know what, you got to really just learn to relax and 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 yeah. really enjoy this this time of your life. And the reason is because there will come times in the near future. Yeah. And I say near future, in the next couple of years, you know, where you will be so busy, you will have so much to do, mm. you will wish 
You were here right now with nothing to do and only the stuff that you want to do. Yeah. Even though you're not getting paid a lot for it now. Yeah. yeah. And so now here we are five, six years later. <laughs> right. And I see it. I see it. I, I've, right now, I think it's a little bit better. But, you know, a couple months ago, you were swamped and you couldn't stop. You had too many things on the go. Yeah. Um, yeah it was too much. And, 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 I, and that's what I was telling you. I was like, you know, remember that time when uh, you had yep. nothing on the go and you were crying because you had nothing on the go? Now you have too much on the go yeah. and you're crying because you want nothing. Right. <laughs> that's uh, also something maybe also to finish it up. Mm -hmm. I, a quote I remember from Eckhart Tolle <laughs> in one of his episodes he said you know he was he was driving and someone was driving in front of him and had a that bumper sticker on said I'd rather go fishing and which which means you know like you rather you rather do want to do something else than mm -hmm. ex experiencing what you experience in that very moment and so he says and also I say you are always here in the now and accept what is and enjoy it mm -hmm. and you know if you're rather gonna go fishing then go fishing <laughs> but <laughs> just to experience it doesn't matter what you do you know it's it's really about being here and and look around being that wonder of a human being and connect with everything that is and mm -hmm. yeah so i like that yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of comments coming yeah. in. Like you're having a private <laughs> the conversation. The only, <laughs> the only crazy lady's going wild here. Ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she did say something very nice a second ago. Yeah. She said that uh, breathing can, is, 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 is a two part program, you know? Uh, what? Well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. She says that breathing is ah, two breathing. steps yes. in and out. Yeah, absolutely. And to first, I think that actually a lot of people don't really realize um, that we're always breathing. Yeah. And that it is not just one thing that's taking you know, in and letting go, right? So I, yeah. I remember saying often um, because you know my, my background um, uh, with martial arts and mm -hmm. even as a gymnast and all that stuff, uh, at, that when when you when like I was actually really shocked that all my life in school, right? You're forced to go to school until you're 16 years mm -hmm. old, and nobody ever taught me how to breathe properly in school. Yeah. And it's like the first thing required to start life, I yeah. think, you know. Also it, eating and just being healthy, right? So well, all, all that. I mean, things. when you when you, when you you learn martial arts, you learn mm -hmm. meditation, mm -hmm. you learn uh, like any of this stuff. Even when I was a gymnast, you know, learning how to do eccentric stuff like acrobats and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, um, you learn to breathe first. If you, yeah. and, and, I, and I remember specifically them teaching me how to breathe when I was like a kid. But that didn't come in school. And then I thought to myself, what about all these other people who never learned how to breathe at school? What 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 what, what <laughs> yeah. do they take seriously if yeah, they never yeah. if they never talk that? Anyway. Yeah, good question. So Absolutely. There we go. Good. I think we're gonna wind down. We're gonna close for today. Those were yes. very nice words, Maddie. Yeah. Would you like to say anything else for closing? Mm. You're good. <laughs> You're good. I remember I said two things I wanted to say. I said the one thing and I haven't said the second one. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, yeah. I'm going to do a quick little closing speech yes, and do you can the think closing about speech. it and then um, we're going to get out of here for All today. Right. Perfect. So this has been another great episode of Smart Home Stupid People. <laughs> we are live. <laughs> Sorry, that cat is snoring. Oh, the cat beside you is snoring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are live on Rockfin, Rumble, Twitch, DLive, Telegram and an audio version on Podbean, which will then later on be aggregated to all the major podcast platforms. Telegram is a really cool platform. I'm digging it more and more the more I get into it because I'm seeing that uh, we have a we have a chat and we have a channel. 
Mm. And people can come into the Telegram channel and the Telegram chat and then talk to us between shows. And, uh, you know, look, we got another guy. Hey, Jonas, how are you doing? <laughs> love love you too, brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's one of these things where I'm finding the Telegram system is is really cool because whether we get dropped or picked up by any other platform, such as, you know, as I just previously previously mentioned with mm-hmm. the Rockfin Rumble Twitch D-Live, right now our home base is mostly Rockfin. Mm-hmm. It might change. I'm liking it at Rockfin for now. Rumble, eh, not too sure. Mm-hmm. Twitch D-Live, it, they're great for the whole live streaming experience. I find it's so, great. But they're making us slow. Yeah, but Twitch and DLive, uh, specifically <laughs> Twitch, Twitch doesn't like stupid people. And for this reason, uh, we're not allowed to be stupid people on Twitch. Uh, we have to be slow people on Twitch. They're very discriminating towards stupid people. So our show is called Smart Home Slow People on Twitch. In DLive, um, we also are slow people, but that's only because they didn't allow enough characters for stupid people to exist. <laughs> so a 20 character maximum. Um, oh, yeah. That being said. That's a nice little roundup for all of you guys yeah. out there who enjoy this show. Go check it out on Rockfin. There we are with all of our um, archived episodes as well. And you can sign up, become a premium member mm-hmm. and get access to all the archived shows. Yeah. Until then, you no. will always get the last couple weeks. Oh, yeah. It looks like you just remembered that you, no, what you wanted to say. No, I didn't remember what I wanted but to say. But you want to say something now. Yeah, but all I right. not forget because on Sunday, we're actually going somewhere. Oh, that's nice. true. So this Sunday, we are yeah. going to be can- not canceling, but we're not going to be live this weekend. No, because we're on the road. <laughs> exactly. And uh, therefore, we will be back Wednesday next week at this yeah. time. Yeah. 8 p.m. Central European time, which is where we are in Northern Germany, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. So for any of you guys out there who would like to talk to us between shows, join Smart Home Stupid Chat in Telegram <laughs> or the Smart Home Stupid People channel, and uh, you will be updated to when yeah. we go live and when we uh, sometimes push our shows over because of uh, life. Because of life. Exactly. Things Other that than happen. that, we are live twice a week, Wednesdays yeah. and Sundays, Wednesdays at 8 p.m., Sundays at 6 p.m. Central mm-hmm. European time. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Yeah, Until excellent. then, this has been another great episode of Smart Home Stupid People. Yep. (laughs) We'll see you next Wednesdays. Have yourselves a lovely week. Bye bye. Until then, keep well and remember hindsight is 2020. Yeah. Live your life. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye.